Hi guys, welcome to my channel. Today we're going to dive into the story of the disappearance of Nicole Morin. So I'm going to give you a little bit of information about her and then we're going to dive right into it. So, Nicole Morin was born Nicole Louise Morin. She was born April 1st, 1977 in Toronto, Ontario. She disappeared July 30th, 1985 at the age of eight in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The status for this person is missing for 35 years, four months, and 23 days. She's known for the disappearance. And this is her story. On July 30th, 1985, eight-year-old Nicole Louise Morin left her penthouse apartment on the 20th floor of an apartment building in the Etobicoke Borough of Toronto, Ontario to meet a friend in the lobby for a swim date. She never arrived and she has not been seen or heard from since. The Toronto Police Service launched the biggest missing person investigation in their history, forming a 20-member task force and investing more than 25,000 man-hours following up leads. No physical evidence has ever been found to solve the disappearance. While it is now considered a cold case, Toronto Police and Missing Children Organization continue to keep in the public eye in an effort to garner fresh leads. They have produced several video reenactments of Morin's last known movements and released age-enhanced photographs consigning the anniversaries of her disappearance. Nicole Louise Morin was born April 1st, 1977, like I previously told you. She was the only child of Arthur and Jeanette Morin, who had married 12 years before her birth. Morin had brown eyes and brown hair. At the time of her disappearance, she was four feet tall and weighed 51 pounds, approximately anyway. In July 1985, Morin was living with her mother in a 20th floor penthouse apartment in the Etobicoke borough of Toronto. Her father lived in Mississauga. Morin was on a summer vacation from Wellsworth Junior School, where she was in grade three. On July 30th, 1985, at approximately 10.30, Morin went down to the lobby of her building to pick up the mail. She returned to the apartment to get ready for a planned swim date with a friend. The pool was locked. It was located at the rear of their building. Before leaving the apartment, she spoke to her friend via the intercom and said she would meet her in the lobby shortly. She left the apartment at about 11 a.m. wearing a peach-colored one-piece bathing suit, green hairband, and red canvas shoes. She carried a plastic bag containing a white t-shirt, green and white shorts, suntan lotion, hairbrush, peach-colored blanket, and a purple beach towel. Fifteen minutes later, the friend buzzed the apartment to ask why Morin had not met her yet. Nicole's mother, Jeanette, who was busy with, the, with small children in a daycare group that she ran in her apartment, assumed that Morin had gone to the pool herself or was playing with the other children at the rear of the complex. She did not call the police to report a missing child about until 3 p.m. The investigation initially, initially involved acting searches and canvassing all of the apartments in the complex. 
The first day, police set up roadblocks around the building and circulated vehicles with public address systems to alert neighborhood residents to missing children description. Knocking on every door in Moran's 429-unit complex, police entered apartments even if no one answered the knock. After a woman who lived in the building identified Moran from a photograph, police determined that Moran had traveled down the elevator and entered the lobby. From there, however, no other evidence was found as to Moran's whereabouts. The next day, additional Toronto Police Services officers were brought in and a police dragnet consisting of mounted horsemen, marine units, helicopters, and foot patrols began combing the area near Highway 27, which was in the vicinity of the apartment building. Tracking dogs were also brought in to explore the building's underground garages, utility rooms, storage units, and some pump rooms. More than 900 neighborhood residents joined the search. The newly formed Toronto Crime Stoppers organization took on the disappearance as its first significant case. This organization posted a 1,000 uh, 1, reward, printed posters, and produced a video reenactment of Moore's last known movements and aired on television several weeks later. The Toronto Star printed 6,000 copies of a poster showing Nicole's picture and the phone number of the Metro Toronto Police. 3,000 copies of a watercolor sketch of Morin were commissioned by the Toronto Police and distributed to police departments, post offices, and local stores. The search was the biggest missing person investigation in the history of the Toronto Police Service. Toronto Police formed a 20-member task force which maintained active for the nine months. They investigated 25,000 man-hours following up leads. By November, police had questioned about 6,000 individuals, including hundreds of sex offenders. The first year's investigation cost an estimate of $1.8 The police also offered 100000 reward for more and safe return, a reward that is still applicable today. Police cleared all family members and acquaintances from suspicions. An unexplained note was found in the apartment on which Warren had written in a pencil a few months earlier, I'm going to disappear. Okay. Although police discouraged it, Arthur Warren raised funds to hire a private investigator. He also left his job, set up an office, and searched for clues for his missing daughter in Canada and the United States. He moved back, to, back in with Jeanette after Nicole's disappearance, but the couple permanently separated in 1987. Jeanette consulted with a psychic in Calgary in her own effort to locate her daughter. In 2004, researchers, Belgian organization known as Foundation Princesses de Croix et Massimo Lanestoy announced that they had tentatively matched photographs of Nicole Sinon Canadian police website with the pictures on a Dutch website that advocates for sexually abused children. Using biometrical analysis, the researchers claim a strong resemblance between Morin and a child in a pedophilia network in Zandvoort. Despite the years of investigation and thousands of leads, no physical evidence has ever been uncovered to solve the disappearance. While the case is considered a cold case, Toronto Police and Missing Child Organizations continue to keep it in the public eye in an effort to garner fresh leads, several video reenactments of Morin's last movements have been produced, 
including a 2007 television reenactment for GTA's Most Wanted. For the 29th anniversary of the disappearance, in 2014, the police, Toronto Police Video Unit produced a reenactment which was also screened at Mac Convenience Store throughout the province of Ontario. For the 30th anniversary of the disappearance in 2015, the police organized a 5K run called Nicole's Run at Centennial Park in a telephone. The event included a candlelight vigil in addition to raising awareness of the case. The run collected 3,000 in donations for the Canadian Centre of Child Protection, which operates a missing child website. In 2019, on the 34th anniversary of the disappearance, the Toronto Police Missing Persons Unit released an age-enhanced picture of Morin suggesting what she might look like in her early 40s. 2001, Toronto Crime Stoppers disseminated an age-enchanted photograph of Morin as a woman in her mid-20s to more than 1,000 Crime Stopper programs in 17 countries via the internet. Child Find Ontario has also endowed to maintain public awareness of the case by arranging for Morin's picture, physical description, and age-enhanced photographs to appear on electric screens and SO gas stations, bringing envelopes from Rogers Cable and the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, Toronto Transit Commission display screens, and on the back of transport trucks. Morin's mother, Jeanette, died in 2007. Her father still lives in the October Cold area. If you or anyone knows any information about Nicole Morin, don't hesitate to call the police.